Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 453. Be yourself. The happiest people I know are people who like what they do, and uh, you can pick them out pretty quickly. The more you can just be yourself and share yourself with others, the more you'll get in return. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bob Ingram. Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, I'm raring and ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Bob Ingram is a general partner at Hatteras Venture Partners, a venture capital firm that invests in early-stage life science companies. Prior to joining Hatteras, he was the CEO at Glaxo Welcome. His passion for automobiles has spanned his life, and his success in business has led him to collecting cars, more specifically, Porsches. The Ingham Collection is focused on preserving automotive history, and he often drives, shows, and shares his cars, and many are featured in a book titled Porsche Unexpected from Coach Belt Press. It's a wonderful collection of photos by Michael Furman, who's also a guest here on Cars Yow in collaboration with Randy Leffingwell and Cameron Ingram. And Cam is Bob's son. He's also a past guest here on Cars Yeah! and runs Road Scholars, where they acquire, restore, and sell vintage Porsches. So, Bob, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? I'd be glad to, Mark, and let me say what an honor and privilege it is to be on your program. Well, thank you. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest in downstate Illinois. I was raised by a single parent, my mom, and uh, I worked my way through undergraduate school with several different jobs, uh, one of which is I kept books for a Chevrolet dealer. But prior to that, as a kid, I would uh, ride my bicycle to the five or six local dealerships every fall when the new models came out. And of course, they had the windows all covered with paper so you couldn't see in, but they would... uh, let me come in and I would look at the cars, but then I would, uh, I, I would borrow and, and keep all the literature they'd let me take. Yeah, all right. I would take it home and study it. And uh, uh, I guess I, I, I've always enjoyed cars. The town I grew up in, you know, like most small towns, our idea of a foreign car was a Studebaker. <laughs> you know, we had Chevy dealer, Ford dealer, who also sold Mercury's. 
we had a we had a Plymouth dealer who also sold, I guess, Dodge and DeSoto. Then maybe they were separate. I don't remember. But the high end car in our town, uh, we did have a Buick dealer, and that was probably the highest end. We didn't have an Oldsmobile or Cadillac dealer. It was a great way to grow up, and uh, the car gene sadly has never left me. <laughs> well, we're glad it hasn't left you because uh, in your, through your success in business, of course, you've been able to acquire cars and, and build this wonderful collection. And for us Porsche fans, and I'm a huge Porsche fan, my listeners know that. I've seen many of your cars. I was at Rensport last year, and I think you said you bought 14 of them. Yes, we did. To that event, and we appreciate you sharing those with us. We're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through our talk here. But first, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive. So, Bob, take the wheel. Mark, probably one of the best bits of advice I've ever had shared with me, and I try and share with my family and my friends is that it is your family and your friends that are far more important than fame or fortune. I've been uh, blessed in many ways, uh, but the biggest blessings that I have are my family and those friends that I'm so privileged to have and uh, share time with. And as you get older, as you know, I think uh, your family and your friends take on even more meaning to you. Uh, and uh, I do try and I do try and share that. And actually, the car hobby, the Porsche hobby, in my case, the biggest benefit I can say for me personally, in addition to having the privilege to enjoy and share these wonderful cars, is the new friends I've made through this hobby. Uh, I don't rank and rate my friends, but I'm so proud to have the ones I do, and many of my dearest friends I've met through this hobby. You know, I've heard this from many, many of my guests, and, and of course, this is Cars Yeah, we're talking about cars, but it always comes back to the people. Every single time, it comes back to the people, and that's one of the great things about the car hobby. I've talked to so many guests who've said, I have met so many wonderful people through the hobby, and even some of my guests that are pretty famous, they're car celebrities on television, and said, this is the only industry, the only hobby that I think people really just kind of equalize out, whether you're worth a lot of money and you have a lot of cars or you have one i agree you're an you're an instant friend when you're a car guy or a car guy i agree i one of the things i most enjoy mark is our little local porsche club that meets for cars and coffee every saturday we're not uh, we're not there to impress each other there we're there to share our mutual affection for these cars and each other yep i always tell everybody if it rolls on rubber i love it so I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you talked a little bit about being a little boy and going to those car dealerships when you were young and, and peeking through the window, through the torn paper and going inside. Is there a, a moment in time, a pivotal moment in your life when you really realized that you were a car guy? I guess it would have been two different moments, Mark. First, probably when I was in high school, my mother, among many great lessons she taught me, was the importance of not just working hard and treating others the way you would like to be treated but also to save your money. And I started to uh, work for my mom in her store when I was about six years old, and I she paid me an, an allowance. I put that away, and uh, when I turned 16, uh, she had to sign for it, but I, I was able to buy uh, actually a, a brand-new 1960 Chevrolet Impala. Wow. I just kind of thought I was the king of the root beer stands, you know. I, mean, <laughs> I knew then that... Uh, uh, I, I took such pride in the car, 
and I wish I still had it today. But I, I think that uh, I, I spent a lot of time with the car, uh, and uh, it, it kind of solidified that that would be the one hobby. I've never played golf. I admire people who do. I just have never made the time to do it. And I know at my age, I'm not going to take it up and play it well. Uh, and then later on, uh, a mentor who I really looked up to, we went down to visit him in 1971. And he had just taken delivery of a 1971 911 S. And it was the first mm. time I'd ever ridden in a Porsche. And I so admired John Shipley, God rest his soul. And he took me out for a ride in the car and then stopped and asked me to drive the car. And after we got back, I told my wife, Jeannie, I said, someday I'm going to own a Porsche. So those were probably <laughs> the two seminal moments in this uh, journey. You know, we share something there. My mom helped me with one of my first cars, which was what I call my poor man's Porsche. I bought a Carmen Ghia. Ooh, great. And uh, yeah, and she helped me. She loaned me a little bit of the money. I'd raised the most, most of it with my paper route. But um, I had to pay her back and with a little bit of interest, you know, to make things right. Yeah, when I was in high school, I had a friend whose dad had a 911S. And the first time he let me drive that, I was bit. <laughs> and that was the end of it. So <laughs> I understand the affliction. I would love to crawl under the hood and talk a little bit about a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. This is a, a really important part of our talk because those listeners out there that might be facing similar things, to hear stories that people have work through things is really important. And the more important part of this, of course, is how did you overcome that particular situation and what did it teach you? Well, as I said earlier, Mark, I've been very, very blessed, uh, A, with a great family, good health, and wonderful friends. And I've also been blessed in that I've been able to do something as a career that I really enjoyed. When I was in high school, we had a polio epidemic. Uh, this was in the 50s. And at my high school graduation, several of my classmates came to the commencement in iron lungs. And uh, it left an indelible uh, imprint on me. And when I finished undergraduate school, I decided that I thought I would like to be part of an industry that actually uh, uh, discovered, developed, and ultimately delivered better answers to disease. And my wife has had cancer. Uh, my daughter-in-law's had cancer, and as you may know, cancer knows no boundaries. It afflicts far too many of us. Mm -hmm. But uh, to see the courage of those in my family who, who've overcome this disease, uh, I've been inspired by that. And uh, it's, it really has taught me what's important in life. And uh, my mom had all these sayings, one of which was, if you have your health, you have it all. And as I get older, I realize just like everything else she told me, how wise she was. And it's been, uh, for me, uh, when I think I have challenges, and we all have challenges in our business and in our personal lives, I only look at my wife and others in my family who have faced that dreaded word cancer and have, with their own courage and the advances we've had in medicine, obviously uh, won that battle. So uh, it, 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 that inspires me is to see people who have faith, who have courage, and who are resilient. Sometimes easier said than done. Well, I understand. Yeah, our family, too, has been afflicted with cancer for many people. We've lost people in our family to cancer, and it's a, just a nasty, nasty disease. And 
the time you spent in your career as a venture capitalist and, and at Glasgow where you were developing products to help people and so forth, that must have been very rewarding for you. It was, Mark. It was uh, incredibly rewarding to be part of an enterprise that has as its only mission, as I said, the discovery, the development, and ultimately the delivery of medicines that prolong and improve life. I'm, the age, I'm at the age where people often say, Bob, what's your most memorable experience? And Probably the one I would cite most uh, as having given me the greatest pride. In 1991, I was called by Surgeon General Coop, who uh, was a good friend. You may remember Dr. Coop. He was uh, yes. our Surgeon General. Uh, he, oh, lived, yes. he lived to be 100 years old. and uh, He was a good friend, and he called me, and he said, I need your help. He had been contacted the previous day, Mark, by an oncologist in Ohio, who had an 11-year-old little girl as a patient, and she had osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer. And they, had, they wanted to operate on her spine to remove this tumor on her spine, but imagine being her parents. They told them that she, they couldn't do that because uh, it would leave her spinal column so precarious that the chemotherapy that they would have to give her to help her live, uh, she couldn't tolerate because it would cause such nausea and vomiting. And he called me that day because we had a drug, on Dancitron, by brand name later Zofran, which was the first compound of its kind that prevents the nausea and vomiting associated with chemotherapy. The drug was not yet approved, and uh, it was in clinical trials. And to make a long story short, Dr. Coop and I met with the FDA commissioner the next day, and the FDA commissioner, Frank Young at the time, gave us permission to get this medicine to this little girl before it was approved. And nine months later, when we got our approval, this same little girl, bald from the chemotherapy, but cancer-free, came to thank us. And today, wow. uh, she's a doctor with three children of her own. And every, every oh, year, she writes me a little note thanking us for that, uh, that gift. And it was a reminder to me then, wow. and it's a reminder to me every year, how important that kind of work is uh, in terms of uh, helping patients live and live better lives. Wow. Well, I've got goosebumps right now, my arms from that story. What a wonderful story. And, you, you know, you jumped ahead to one of my questions about proudest moments, which I'm glad you did. And I'm so happy you shared that very personal story. And thank you to your company and the people involved to get that, that help out there faster to help that little girl. What a story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment. It's a time when the headlights come on and Kind of illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, I guess it would probably be more recently when I retired from Glaxo. At the time it had become GlaxoSmithKline, I was approached by a number of people. I serve on probably too many boards. But I was approached by uh, my partners here at Hatteras. They had founded the, co the company in 2001. This was now 2005. And uh, I had been skeptical, frankly, Mark, of venture capital in the sense that while I knew it had an important role, I saw funds getting to be too big, in my opinion. I saw the bets becoming too big, and I saw many of these people living off their management fees. My partners had a different model. We are kind of the Jack Russell Terriers of venture capital in that we keep our funds relatively small. The key in life science is to fail fast. It's a high failure endeavor, and what you want to do is fail as fast as you can. Ask the killer question as quickly as you can. Do the killer clinical trial 
as quickly as you can and be very disciplined about what the data tells you. And when I joined the firm, uh, there's five of us who founded the firm and built it. We, we were new in terms of this kind of a model. And we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've been very uh, lucky. But our model now is often cited as the, the right way to do venture capital and life science. And we're, we focus only on companies that we can get to quickly. So we focus on the Southeast. And uh, we tell people when these are generally very early startup companies coming out of medical schools that we are there to help you. Uh, and sometimes the best way we can help you is to say it's over. But uh, it's been a wonderful insight in that one of the changes in the life science industry is that major pharmaceutical companies, while they still do a lot of research and development, now are looking outside the four walls, their own four walls, to these early stage startups. And uh, many of our investors now turn out to be not just high net worth people, but actually major corporations. And sure, they'd like a return, but what they really want is through our eyes, an early look at that great science. And I think that has applications in every industry. I mean, look at the changes in the automobile industry in terms of technology and more on the way, obviously. And I think it's a uh, a reminder to me as an aha moment that uh, science and innovation always move on and you want to keep looking ahead uh, in terms of uh, and not get comfortable with your own success. Very insightful. And I really appreciate you sharing that. You know, we got off a little a little side road here from cars, but it it's really, really important idea that you brought up there that it does relate to the car industry too. And again, we're seeing with these electric vehicles, things that uh, Tesla's doing and other car companies have to do. And it's very important for the future of not only the car industry, but our country and the world that uh, it's really great. I thank you for taking us down that path. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you have of that vehicle. Well, I, I've already mentioned my first car, that, that 60 Chevrolet Impala. And, uh, you know, it, when I think back to uh, how lucky I am to still be here, given, given the narrow bi-supply tires and uh, no airbags, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a special car. I think more recently, Mark, I'd cite two cars. The first really collectible 356 we bought was a 59 Carrera GT Coupe. Ooh. We nicknamed the car Ruby because it's painted Ruby red. Yep. I remember when we bought the car, and I think we bought it in around 1999 or 2000. Uh, I never thought I'd spend that kind of money on a car, much less one that was this little 356, you know, already 40 years old. But we've come to love the car. And, uh, you know, people now say, boy, Bob, you were so smart to buy these older cars. Well, uh, I tell them, look, I did, I'd love to tell you it was an investment strategy. It was not. I bought the cars I love and, and I like. And I give that same bit of advice to people who are thinking about starting to collect cars. Buy, buy things you like. Don't worry about you know, whether they're going to be good investments. That's the wrong reason to do this. Well, I've heard that from so many people, and it's so important. And I always follow up by saying, look, if, if the whole car collector industry collapses, at least you're stuck with something you exactly. love. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I think that that little 59 Carrera GT Coupe uh, was uh, 
Uh, I, my wife would say this is a hobby turned into a sickness, and I think that's when the full virus took effect was when we got that car. Well, those are such special cars. I love Porsche 356s and, of course, the Carrera with the 4-cam motor. Right. And that's just like the peak of the peak. So, uh, yeah, very yeah. fortunate to have found that car and have it yeah. in your collection. Now, here's a tougher question. I just, Well, maybe you haven't sold many cars, but is there one vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back? And I want to preface this by saying not because it's increased in value, but because of the passion you had or some kind of connection you'd made with that well, car. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we don't sell cars that often. And probably one of the cars that uh, we did sell, and it went to a great home, which always makes you feel better. Uh, because I view us, I, I say to our sons, we're caretakers of these cars. And uh, I've said to each of our sons, when I'm gone, I won't know what you do with the cars. I would just hope that you, if you sell them, you pass them on to someone who will take as good a care of them as we try, have tried to do. But to answer your question, Mark, we had, and you, you mentioned an earlier car that you owned, we had a 1980 Wysock edition, uh, one of 408 in platinum, coupe. We were the second owners, and when we bought the car, it had like 2,000 miles on it. And wow. uh, so and it was owned by a physician in Wisconsin who had bought the car in Germany where he was in the service new. He would take it out, I think, just once or twice a year in Wisconsin, drive it around the block, put it back away, and uh, hence the low mileage. But we kept the car for, I think, six or seven years. We did drive it. I think we put probably three or 4,000 miles on the car. It was, you know, it, it, it's not a necessarily high-dollar expensive car, but it, it, I really enjoyed that car. And now when I see a Wysock edition, and you don't see them very often, I, I say to Cam, I wish we hadn't sold that. In our pre-show chat, I'll tell our listeners, I told Bob about a car that I bought way back when, when I lived in San Diego, where it was sunny every day, and it was an 84 Weissach Carrera and uh, Cabriolet. Mm. And so I would drive to work every day with the top down, and it was that platinum color with a chocolate brown interior and the sports seats, and it was just such a, a wonderful car. And when I moved up here to the Pacific Northwest, the top on that car was not very waterproof. <laughs> It, it wasn't like the new convertibles. And so if it rained too much, it started leaking a little yeah. bit. And yeah, you would get wet. And I figured, you know, it was my only car and it just was not going to work living up here in the Northwest where it rains a lot. So I let it go. And I was always sad to see it drive off down the road because it was a wonderful car. So I share that <laughs> that memory with yeah. you. How about current projects? We're into the new year here. Is there anything that you have planned? coming up this year that really has you excited and fired up in relation to your uh, automobiles? Well, uh, Mark, you referenced Rensport number five that we both were at back in October, and uh, we're still basking in the memories of what was just an incredible experience, as everyone who attended, I'm sure, uh, realized. We are actually, I'm going to be going to Geneva uh, in March for the uh, Geneva Auto Show and the launch of the new uh, 911R. We're fortunate to have an original R, car number three in our collection, and uh, I'm eager to see uh, how Porsche is going to uh, try and capture the lightness of the original R in a new 911, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to being owners of one of those. So I guess on the near horizon, we're looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to uh, Mealy Island. Uh, Bill Warner's a dear friend. And this year they're going to have a early 356 class, 
and we, Bill asked us if we would uh, bring our Gamund coupe. It's car number 17, uh, the third oldest one surviving, and we're going to be uh, taking that down. So that, that, those are two things I'm looking forward to. Wow. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Bill's been a guest here on Cars Yeah. Great guy. And uh, I'm doing a little collaboration with Cars Yeah and Amelia Island where Cars Yeah will be a sponsor and we're going to do a whole week of sponsor shows oh, and sponsor guests on the great. show. Yeah. Looking forward to that as well. So sounds like fun. I hope I can be there to see the car on the lawn. I'll look forward to uh, maybe a test drive together, Mark. Oh, gosh. Now, <laughs> I better go get my plane ticket today with that kind of invitation. Fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you. I kind of think I know how you're going to answer this, but, you know, people always surprise me. If you were a car, Bob, what kind of car would you be and why? And this isn't about what you wish you were. It's how you perceive yourself manifested into a car. Well, I would hope that I'm perceived as dependable, trustworthy, honest, and when I think of those adjectives, Mark, with some degree of obvious bias, I think of Porsche. As you well know, uh, they built their reputation on endurance racing uh, and dependability and engineering excellence. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, I would hope I would be, if I was to be a car, either a, a 356 or maybe an early 911. I think those are the two halo cars that help build the reputation Porsche now enjoys. Absolutely. I think you fit that mark just perfectly. So <laughs> great Thank answer. You. You're welcome. So Bob, up next, we're entering the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Bob, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Great. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy what you like. <laughs> and uh, I actually had that advice early on. It was uh, shared with me by several people, but uh, one of the people that uh, we've known and come to really uh, enjoy in this hobby uh, is Prescott Kelly. Prescott, uh, early on, gave me that advice. Uh, it's very sound, and I try to pass it on to people that uh, are starting in this journey themselves. It is great advice, and uh, Prescott's going to be a future guest here on Cars. Yeah, I spoke to him down at Ren Sports, so... Uh... As soon as I can wrangle a little time out of him, we'll have him on the show. Yeah, he's been a great proponent for yes, the mark does. for Porsche for yes, over the years. Yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? With, I hope, proper modesty, uh, Mark, I've made a career out of surrounding myself with people who have talent and skill sets that are not my strengths and uh, uh, forming teams. 
And uh, I think you form a team by selecting people whose skill sets best match what you're trying to achieve, getting them to genuinely care about each other and play together and not try and score points off each other, but score points for the team. And uh, it goes back to my mom who taught me that it's pretty basic. You treat people the way you would like to be treated yourself. Absolutely. Great advice and a great way to run a life. How about a resource? I know there are many resources out there today, especially with the web, but is there one in particular you really enjoy? On cars? Yeah, it could be cars, could be business, but let's stick with cars maybe since this is cars, yeah. Well, I'm I, again, I really rely on Cam and the Road Scholars team a lot. Mm-hmm. Cam has been my advisor on all the major cars that we bought. They look after our collection as they do other collections. I read their magazine, the Road Scholars magazine, obviously with some degree of personal pride. But uh, I also, I I go on Renlist. I read catalogs. uh, I I buy car magazines. I I still like to turn the page. Me too. I buy car magazines. I'm not a big online reader. Yeah, I agree. I have over 40 car magazines that I get every month in the mail. Even even my mailman goes, geez, you're like the only guy that gets all these magazines every month. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like turning the pages as well. And, of course, the, the Road Scholars website is wonderful. I go there quite often, and what your son has built there with his team has been really fantastic. So great advice. Now, how about a book? I know there's a lot of great books out there, but is there one book in particular you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy reading that you would like to share with us? Well, I'll share two, and I'll, I'll say at the outset, the first one is uh, I hope doesn't come across as too uh, commercial and that's Cam's book that you referenced earlier in this uh, in this interview, Mark, called Porsche Unexpected, Lessons in Collecting. And I think whether you're interested in building a Porsche collection or just a car collection, uh, we were honored that our dear friend Miles Collier wrote the foreword to the book. Mm-hmm. And Miles is perhaps one of the most knowledgeable, if not the most knowledgeable collector I've met. And uh, to have him write that foreword meant a lot to us. And I, I in addition to Michael Furman's photography, I think Cam and Randy Leffingwell together have done a great job of uh, sharing the insights and the lessons we've learned, whether you're going to build a two-car collection or a 20-car collection. And uh, I also enjoyed one of Randy's earliest books, which started to get us really hooked into this, and it was called Legends of Porsche. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're now fortunate to have, I think, five of the cars that he featured in that book as part of our collection. So those would be the two books I would encourage, particularly people who are interested in Porsches to read. Absolutely. You know, I would love to get Randy on this show. I've talked to him. I think he's a little shy. And so maybe I could get you to call him and twist his arm a little bit so we could get him on this show. (laughs) Mark, I'll do that because he he is – He's just so he is shy and modest. Yeah. He is so knowledgeable and uh, such a wonderful person. Absolutely. And of course, uh, Michael Furman's been a guest here on the show, as has your son. So I've, if I can round that out by having you on today and get Randy on, I've got a a nice uh, group of people there that uh, represent uh, the mark in automobiles. Fantastic. All right, Bob, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a real doozy especially for a guy like you that has so many wonderful cars. If you could have only one, I'm sorry, just one collector car in your garage, what would that one car be? And more importantly, why? I've thought about this, Mark, and it is a tough question for the reasons you cite. I guess I would choose the 918 Spider. Ooh. 
And uh, I would choose it not because it's one of the newest cars in our collection, but because of the breakthrough in the technology that I think it represents going forward. It is a hybrid, as I'm sure you and your your listeners uh, know. It's an easy car to drive. We also have a Carrera GT, which is a Porsche's predecessor supercar. And while it's a thrilling car to drive, it's not a car you would have your wife jump in and take to the market. The 918 is just that easy to drive. And uh, I love the fact that uh, I can put it in the all-electric mode, start it inside, there's no fumes, sneak up uh, on people. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and then yet when you turn that knob and you turn the engine on, you, you realize this is in fact a supercar. Oh, and I think, I think in the future, we're going to see an increasing number of cars with the kind of technology that the 918 is pioneering. And, I, and then to top it off, I think it's a, I think it's a stunning car and it's, and it's styling. Well, you've picked a, a real winner there. And yeah, I've not had the pleasure of driving one yet. I've been around a bunch of them and talked to people who are owners and everyone has said the same thing, that uh, it's just spectacular. So... Very good choice, my friend. I think that's fantastic. A beautiful, beautiful car. Bob, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I really knew you would, and I have so enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Is there one parting piece of guidance you could offer us before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche 918? Mark, first of all, thank you. It's a privilege and a pleasure to join you and be part of your program. You're welcome. I guess the... uh, One of the bits of advice that I try to live by is uh, two words, be yourself. You know, we all are who we are with all of our strengths and and our faults. But I think uh, the happiest people I know are people who like what they do. And uh, you can pick them out pretty quickly. And uh, I think the more you can just be yourself and share yourself with others, the more you'll get in return. Absolutely. Well, we're very appreciative that you've done that with us today. You've been yourself. You've shared yourself with us. And You share your collection with other people who have the passion, which is really important. What's the best way for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you and your collection? Is it through Road Scholars? I would say either Road Scholars or uh, if you're coming, uh, Road Scholars is on the Internet, as you know, uh, Mark. But if you're coming our way, we're in Durham, North Carolina. My other son, Rory, manages the collection itself. And uh, while we don't open our doors every day to the public, if you get in touch with me at my email, it's uh, ingram at hatterasvp.com. I'll connect you with Rory, and we open up for anybody who wants to come see the cars. And, awesome. Uh, we do uh, some special events at the garage. We we host uh, the Porsche Club routinely, and uh, uh, the cars are to share, Mark. Well, that's a very generous offer. Thank you very much, and I know there's going to be some fanatical Porsche fans specifically out there that are just going, oh, man, I'd love to go see those vehicles. So thank you for that. Listeners, again, you can find links to everything Bob's been so kind to share with us today at CarsYad.com. Just put Bob in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up on the CarsYad website. Bob, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your amazing life and experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. I look forward to it, Mark. See you in Amelia. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!